0: we Welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I'm Tim Moore, the Senior Evangelist for Lamb & Lyme Ministries, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nathan Jones, our Internet Evangelist. After just over a year in our Jesus in the Old Testament series, we've arrived at Malachi, the 39th and final book in the Old Testament canon.
1: And it's been a long run. I mean, this is our 43rd episode in the series. Well, obviously, we devoted multiple weeks to a few books. For instance, we spent four weeks in Genesis alone, and while we sometimes combine two of the smaller minor prophet books into a single episode. But it's been our goal to offer an overview of the entire Old Testament, highlighting the Christophanies, the types, and the prophecies that point to Jesus Christ. It's important to realize that although we've examined each of the books of the Old Testament in the order they appeared in our Bible, The editors of our Bibles have not arranged them in chronological order. That's right. We really did not follow the chronological
0: view of the Bible, but we'll get there in just a moment. For now, let's examine this last book. You know, Nathan, I had an Italian friend who said that this was the only Italian book of the Bible because he liked to call it Malachi, uh, an Italian prophet by birth. Anyway, tell us a little bit about
1: Malachi. Oh, I'm going to start calling him Malachi now. Thank you for that. Well, I love the Book of Malachi. Most people don't know where the book of Malachi is unless they were trying to find Matthew and actually went a few pages too early. So we know it's the 39th and last book in the Old Testament. It's got four chapters, and Malachi was a priest at the temple, and in about 40, 40 to 400 B.C. So this is the very last, the Jewish people have been exiled, they came back in 520 and built the temple, but the people had fallen back into spiritual lethargy. And so uh, unfortunately I didn't get to write this chapter, but my co-author Steve Howell wrote the chapter on Malachi, I did a beautiful job. And We have a, a, a whole sermon I did on Malachi on our website at lamblion.com or christinprophecy.org. So it's exciting because what you see here is a time period where the people had fallen back into spiritual lethargy. And so Malachi's looking, he's watching the people at the temple bring lame sacrifices. They had stolen some of their sacrifices. They just didn't care, and the priests didn't care either. The people were just going through the motions of religion. So what God through Malachi did is he would make what's called literary disputations. So the Lord would say to the people, I love you, and the people would return and say, Well, how have you loved us? Mm. And they would go on and on. And God would say, this is what I did for you. And they'd say, well, really, what have you done for us today? And there's that back and forth. Well, by then, you know, we've had hundreds and hundreds of years of the Jewish people rejecting the Lord. And so he says, okay, this is going to be my last message. I'm going to leave you with this knowledge that a forerunner to the Messiah and the Messiah is coming. And then for 400 years, you don't hear from God. As a matter of fact...
0: Malachi himself, his name means, my messenger, and in chapter 3, verse 1, the Lord says, Behold, I am going to send my messenger. Now, we don't know that that's just referring to Malachi because you'll see there's a very prophetic and messianic connotation, and he will clear the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. I love this particular verse because... It says, I, God referring to Himself in the first person, will send my messenger. Well, we know that John the Baptist came as a forerunner of Jesus Christ, and it says, He will clear the way before me and the Lord. So now the Lord's talking about Himself almost in the third person, will suddenly come to His temple. And so here's the Father essentially proclaiming the word of the Lord through this prophet Malachi and talking very prophetically, I think, about the coming Messiah. And what a beautiful description. But as you said, Nathan, the people were tired of hearing this and the Lord actually cites them for that. In chapter 2, verse 17, He says, "'You have wearied the Lord with your words, "'yet you say, how have we wearied Him?' "'In that you say, everyone who does evil is good "'in the sight of the Lord, and He delights in them. "'And where is the God of justice?' I think sometimes today people would ask these same questions And they weary the Lord with their foolish words and with their lack of faith.
1: Absolutely. The people were, again, just going through the motions. The first literary disputation we said is the Lord says, I loved you, and they're like, well, how did you love us? He says, well, I chose Jacob over Esau. You know, I gave you, they had all this history to look back on. Uh, It came to purity then. He says, you despise, and he says this to the priests, you despise my name. And they're like, well, what way have we despised you? And he says, well, you're allowing these bad sacrifices. I've told you they need to be pure and holy. Why are the sacrifices important? They're important because they reflect the Messiah who would be the ultimate sacrifice. So it's interesting that this whole chapter is really kind of about how the priests and the people have dropped the sacrificial system because they weren't honoring the letter of the law, but the letter of the law was meant to be one giant, if I can say Christophany, the whole sacrificial system (laughs) was a Christophany pointing, let's say more like a typology, to the ultimate Christophany, and that would be Jesus Christ because what they did was they were showing that in that time period before Jesus came to sacrifice himself as the perfect lamb, uh, the people still needed to have their sins covered by the blood of animals, but the animals had to meet certain purity requirements. In order to reflect what Jesus Christ would be in the ultimate, and they just didn't care. And I don't think they got it either.
0: No, I don't think they did either. And obviously, the Lord has said in other parts of the Old Testament, I treasure and I value obedience even better than sacrifice. And they clearly moved away from the obedience. Malachi's final admonition, you talk about various literary uh, texts he has, but in chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, he talks about a coming day. He said, The day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evil doer will be chaff. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root or branch, but for you who fear my name, in other words, those who have trusted in him, those are who are obedient, and we know that's obedience through faith in Jesus Christ, then the Son of Righteousness, and it's spelled in even my scripture is S-U-N, but we know of it as the S-O-N, the Son of Righteousness, will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. This choice that people have then and today is why we have uh, even labeled this particular uh, edition of our Jesus in the Old Testament series Malachi a final warning the choice is yours and on that note Nathan how does this entire book end
1: with a warning or a curse? Well it's clearly a curse and just similarly to when Moses back in Deuteronomy gave the final message to the Jewish people said hey you know, if you bless the Lord, He will bless you. And these are what it gives a big long list of the blessings. It says, if you reject the Lord, then you will get the curses. And the curses are meant to bring Him to repentance and come back to the Lord. But I think what you said a little earlier there about the final message is the final disputation is, You have wearied us. Mm. They, they find the Lord wearisome. They, they find the sacrificial system wearisome. And when the Lord promises the ultimate Messiah to come to be the ultimate sacrifice, that cures the weariness of the sacrificial system. Because the sacrificial system, the people didn't understand it. They didn't know why they had to do it, but they had to do it to have their sins temporarily covered. But when the Messiah came, that would be the end of the sacrificial system. So when you hear today people about, oh, yeah, they're going to build the third temple and they're going to restart the sacrificial system, it's like, why? We have the ultimate sacrifice in Jesus Christ. We certainly
0: do. Well, folks, obviously, Malachi ends his book with the words, literally, a curse because the choice is ours. You either put your faith in Jesus Christ and are saved and and are credited with the righteousness of Christ or, as John 3.36 says, the wrath of God abides on you and that only involves a curse. Make sure you choose wisely. when we first began this series, we encouraged you to pick out your own key verses from every book or even from every episode as we look for Jesus in the Old Testament.
1: Tim and I picked out some of our own favorite key verses and shared them with you from week to week. They often overlap, but sometimes different verses just jumped out at each of us. You often saw that we could have listed many, many more than time would have allowed, proving that the Word of God is an inexhaustible source of wisdom and insight.
0: I hope that you visited our website for the extensive commentaries we've posted on our key verses and that you have been keeping track of your own key verses. But now it's time for
1: the final reveal. Nathan, get us started. Okay, well I've taken all the key verses over all the 39 books of the Old Testament and when you lay them out and look at them, you see that there's a pattern that explains the whole salvation story and points to Jesus Christ. Certainly and does. It starts with Genesis 1:1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He created, so we've got people established. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in His own image. So now we have mankind created in the image of God. Genesis 1.31, God saw all that He made, behold, it was very good. So everything was originally established as good. But Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He, the Messiah, Jesus, shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel."
0: And obviously, the Lord's speaking there to Satan after the fall of mankind. So this is very important in setting up that messianic expectation.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, Genesis 3.15 is the first messianic prophecy you'll find in the Bible. So now we have sin entering the world, Genesis 3, 17. Then to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and eaten from the tree. In other words, he's going to be cursed. So now we have sin and separation between God and man. Genesis 6, 5 through 6 and 8. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that they continually sinned and he put a flood. So we see the first punishment yes, that He does do. to bring mankind back to a few faithful people. A few faithful people.
0: And I love if we pick up in 15 verse 6, talking about Abraham, it says, Then he, Abraham, believed in the Lord, and he credited to him, Abraham, as righteousness. So even Abraham was not righteous righteous in his own regard, but the Lord credited him with righteousness based on what? His faith in and his belief of the Lord God. And so then later in verse 22 chapter 22, verse 8, Abraham says to his son Isaac, God will provide for Himself the burnt offering. Again, a messianic preview of God's great sacrifice given to us through Jesus Christ.
1: And the Messiah would come through the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yes. Genesis 12, 2-3. It was a promise that He would make them a great nation. So we're seeing the beginning of God's redemptive plan to bring humanity back in perfect relationship with Him, starting through the Jewish people, and that the Messiah, Jesus, would come through the Jewish line.
0: Exactly so. And the next book that we follow chronologically is Job, and Job testifies in chapter 19, beginning in verse 25, as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last, He will take his stand on the earth. And even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God, whom I myself shall behold, and whom my eyes shall see, and not another. And so we see that even from the beginnings of the Old Testament, these great patriarchs understood that there was a promise held out for them.
1: Absolutely. And that's when we get to Exodus, where I think we see pretty much our first Christophane here is that Jesus who is in the burning bush that Moses saw says, I am who I am. So we begin to see God interacting with mankind here and there throughout the Old Testament in the pre-incarnate form of Jesus Christ.
0: He sure does. And God says in just a few verses prior, verse 7 of chapter 3, I have seen the affliction of my people. I have given heed to their cries. So we are afflicted by sin. He understands that. And later, revealing himself further to the Israelites, he said in Leviticus 19.2, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Set apart. We cannot be perfectly righteous, but he sets these people apart. And then later in Numbers, the Lord declares, As I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Verse 14, through 21 Yes, sir, exactly so.
1: Well, then we skip up uh, past Deuteronomy. Let's go to Joshua 24.15 it says, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, that is for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So we start to see a separation between humanity uh, making a decision for the Lord or not. And it's the beginning understandings of salvation.
0: It is. And yet people are already straying. So in Judges 21:25, in those days there was no king in Israel, again, hearkening to the coming king of kings, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And yet the Lord, speaking again in the book of Ruth, chapter 4, verse 14. Uh, the testimony is, Blessed is the Lord, who has not left you without a Redeemer today, and may his name be famous in Israel. Well, that's speaking at the time of Boaz, but we know that is a a preview of the coming Redeemer who will become famous in Israel.
1: Right. Uh, Boaz becomes a type of Christ. And exactly. That's where we get the term type, where Christophany is an actual appearance of Jesus. Yes. Uh, we skip up to 2 Samuel 7, 12, and now we're... we're Going down, if you say, the family funnel, now we get the Davidic promise that the Messiah would come through the line of David. I will raise up your descendants, David, after you, and you will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. So we know that, that the Messiah would come and he would rule mm. over the earth through the line of David and sit on the Davidic kingdom.
0: He sure would. And, and the Lord says, I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me, previewing exactly the relationship that Jesus yes. reveals. Yes. Well, now we get the psalm, that, uh, that great book of hymns, many of uh, which were written by David, and so many messianic passages. Chapter 2 uh, beginning in verse 10, now therefore, O king, show discernment, take warnings, O judgment, judges of the earth, worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling, do homage to the Son that He not become angry, and you perish in the way, for His wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Chapter 14, verse 7, oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion, and certainly it did. Mm-hmm. Is there any other psalms that you particularly Uh, Just real quick, uh, chapter 22, there's so many. Chapter 22, verse 30, Posterity will serve Him. It will be told of the Lord Lord, to the coming generation. They will come and declare His righteousness to a people who will be born, that He has performed it. That's the very Mm. verse, uh, chapter that Jesus cited on the cross. Chapter 24, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. He is the King of glory. Chapter 46, cease striving and know that I am God. Back to that I am. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our strength. And finally, out of many others, chapter 118, verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone.
1: Something that Jesus would quote later. Exactly Exactly right. Well, then we get into the Song of Solomon 2.4 uh, or Song of Psalms, and we start seeing how the Lord will treat His bride, the church, like Solomon treats the Shulamite. It says, He had brought me to the banquet hall, and His banner over me is like, uh, so Solomon becomes a type of Christ.
0: He certainly does, and he says later, I am my beloveds, and my beloved is mine, pointing to Jesus as our bridegroom.
1: Then we get to Proverbs 1.7 is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, which is one of the most important tenets to understand uh, for salvation, that those who fear the Lord turn to him in repentance and so are saved. Exactly. So right. we're starting to get that early. Now we can jump to Ecclesiastes 12.13 says, for God will bring every act to judgment and everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. So we see that God now is the judge and he will judge everybody, whether they're judged uh, because of their works and they're saved and inherit eternal life, or because their works, but they aren't saved and they are consigned to judgment forever. So
0: many passages in 2 Chronicles 719, the Lord declares that His people, the Jewish people would re- reject Him, uh, but that He would cast them from His sight for a period. And then in sixty nine, He says that the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that He may strongly support those whose heart is completely His. First Kings 9, 4, and 5, If you walk before me as your father David walked, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever. You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. This word to Solomon, again, fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And my favorite uh, verse in chapter 18, verse 21, when Elijah cites, How long will you hesitate between two opinions if the Lord is God? Follow him.
1: E- echoing what Joshua says. Exactly, exactly right. Well, now that we're getting into the prophets, uh, chronologically it's going to be different than what we see in our Bible. Yes. So we're actually starting with Obadiah 15, it says, For the day of the Lord draws near on all the nations. So we know that as time moves on, so too is humanity getting closer and closer to God's judgment.
0: They certainly are. And Joel who declares that the Jews had been set aside in chapter 3 verse 1, For behold in those days and at that time when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. And then Jonah, that great uh, reluctant prophet, if you will, who declared salvation is from the Lord. Absolutely.
1: I love Amos 524, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. We're starting to get through the prophets quite a number of different views of what when Jesus sets up His kingdom, what the millennial kingdom will be like, a kingdom of peace and righteousness and justice.
0: Amen. And Hosea, who foreshadows again the turning back of the nation of Israel, he says, after the sons of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God, and David their king, and they will come trembling to the Lord and His goodness in the last days. And that's a promise to the Jews made in chapter 3, verse 5. But just before that in chapter 2, verse 23 is a promise to the Gentiles. I will say to those who are not My people, you are
1: My people, and they will say, Thou art My God. Excellent. Well, one of the key, and I'd say key, big key, is Isaiah 53, 4 through 6, because now we get an actual description 700 years before Jesus crucified. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteem him, stricken, smitten of God. So it goes on, and we, we read in Isaiah 53 how the perfect sacrifice is come and how He will die, 700 years before it happens. Isaiah is so
0: full of, of great passages. Chapter 1, verse 18, where God promises that our sins will be made white as snow. Chapter 12, verse 2, Behold, God is my salvation. He has become my salvation. And of course, 42, one: Behold my servant, my chosen one in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. And i got to turn back to, to Micah 7.19 where it says, in a nutshell, He will have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's get into Daniel 2.44, which is tremendous because it's about how when Messiah comes and sets up His kingdom, that's the end of failed human government. In the days of those kings of God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. <laughs> and it will crush and put an end to all these human kingdoms but it in itself will endure forever.
0: Uh, Amen, amen. Mm -hmm. You know, Zephaniah who says, the day of the Lord is near, he has prepared a sacrifice, he has consecrated his guests. Jeremiah, so many passages. We can talk about the righteous branch in chapter 23, verses 5 and 6. Or Habakkuk, where the formula again is the righteous will live by faith. It's just so many passages we could have pulled out and we're just giving you a handful. What about the ones in Ezekiel there that you might have?
1: Ezekiel, well, we've got 18, 30 through 32, for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares or therefore repent and live. So we got salvation yet again. Ezekiel 34, 11, and uh, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. So we hear about the Lord coming to seek his sheep, those who have called upon him, who were, uh, we could say predestined or elect, but in other words, people who choose Jesus to be saved are the called out ones.
0: They certainly are. You know, Folks, again, we could have pulled out so many other passages uh, that resonate in our hearts, and we know that you have others that resonate in your heart. At the very end of Ezekiel, Ezekiel gives a testimony that in the day of the Lord, when Jesus Christ, I mean, he doesn't give him by name, but the Messiah reigns, it said, in that day, the name of the city shall be, the Lord is there, Yahweh Shammah. And boy, what an encouraging promise that is that Jesus is going to reign
1: right here on earth, Nathan, and we'll be reigning alongside of him. And Zechariah 14, 4 through 5 and 9 says how he returns. Uh, on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem. And it says when Jesus returns with the saints behind him, that's us and all who are saved, they'll watch Jesus land on the Mount of Olives. It'll split in two and he will <laughs> march through that gate oh. into the temple. So we're getting more and more details about we what certainly will are. happen.
0: And it goes back to that verse that we already cited out of Psalms, be lifted up, O ancient gates. And be opened, all ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in." Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. He
1: is the King of glory. Amen. We can go up to Nehemiah 920, so we're getting near the end of the Old Testament here, at least chronologically. And he says, you gave your good spirit to instruct them. So now we're seeing influences of not just the Holy Spirit going on the people periodically, but that the church would have the Holy Spirit and dwell in them permanently.
0: Amen. And then finally, we come to Malachi, which we've already read today, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze, so that it will not leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. Nathan, from beginning to end, the testimony of Scripture is the the testimony of Jesus Christ. All of the spirit of prophecy points to Him. And so this arc, this narrative, it's almost like an arrow shot from Genesis 1-1 forward points directly at Jesus Christ. And that's been our point throughout this entire series. Absolutely, it's all about Jesus. It really is. And so folks, taken together, especially as we now have reviewed some of our key verses in a chronological order, they build a narrative that points to Jesus Christ, just as an arrow would go to its target. What is your trajectory in this life? Are you on a path that leads you on the straight and narrow way to salvation? Are you following the wide path to destruction? We pray that you are following the straight and narrow path to the trajectory that will lead you to Jesus Christ. Our overarching theme for this series has actually been Luke 24, 32. When the risen Lord Jesus walked alongside two disciples on the road to Emmaus, Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He explained to them the things concerning Himself in all the Scriptures. The disciples exclaimed, Were not our hearts burning within us, while He was speaking to us on the road,
1: while He was explaining the Scriptures to us? Dr. David Reagan's book, Jesus, the Lamb and the Lion, offers tremendous insight into the Messiah as he's presented and prophesied throughout Scripture. From the opening pages of Genesis to His glorious second coming at the end of Revelation, Jesus Christ is the author, the perfecter, and the subject. And for a gift of $15 or more, we'd be glad to send you a copy of Jesus, the Lamb and the Lion. Just visit our online store or call the number you see on the screen.
0: We pray that this series has helped open your eyes and whetted your appetite to all the things concerning Jesus Christ in the Scriptures, from Moses to
1: all the prophets. Well, our series has not been close to exhaustive. With less than 30 minutes each week, we can only hit the high points. We will return to these books again and again,
0: until the Lord comes. We'll dive even deeper into individual prophecies, always pointing to and glorifying our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Next week, we have one more treat in store to close out this series. You won't want to miss it. Until then,
1: I'm Tim Moore. And I'm Nathan Jones saying, look up and be watchful, for Jesus, whose testimony is the Spirit of Prophecy, is coming soon. Maranatha! Dr. Reagan's book, Jesus, the Lamb and the Lion, contains fascinating and informative information about every aspect of the life of Jesus, from his miraculous conception and birth to his incredible resurrection from the dead. In fact, the book goes even beyond that because it looks into the future concerning Jesus' promise to return and how Christians should be living in anticipation of that return. It also takes a look back before his birth at the many Old Testament prophecies concerning his life and mission. Dr. Reagan shows you how the first coming prophecies were fulfilled and he proceeds to prove that we are living in the season of the Lord's return when all the second coming prophecies will be fulfilled. The book also contains in-depth evidence of the Virgin birth, the divinity of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. There's even an entire chapter devoted to the pre-incarnate appearances of Jesus that are recorded in the Hebrew scriptures. The book's title refers to the two symbols of the Messiah that were used by the Old Testament prophets. They prophesied that the Messiah would come the first time as a suffering lamb and would return as a conquering lion. This down-to-earth easy-to-understand book can be yours for a gift of $15 or more, including the cost of shipping. To order, call our office at the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday, Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time, or you can place your order through our website at lamblion.com. Again, call the number you see on the screen or order from our website at lamblion.com. Hello, my name is Nathan Jones, Internet Evangelist here at Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're using the internet to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ to the billions of people who are connected online now and after the rapture. I would like to invite you to come and check out our website at christinprophecy.org Watch whole episodes of Christ in Prophecy and our short Prophetic Perspectives and the Inbox series for in-depth teaching about end time events. Read from the library of articles on our website and blog covering all aspects of God's prophetic word. Subscribe to our free e-newsletter to receive the Lamplighter magazine as well as to our social media to stay up to date on current events as they relate to Bible prophecy. Equip yourself to share the good news with others using materials from our online store. I invite you to come and visit Christandprophecy.org today. Christ in Prophecy is made possible through the faithful and generous support of viewers like you. Please consider making a donation to Lamb and Lion Ministries so that we can continue broadcasting the message of Jesus's soon return. Thank you and God bless you.